The lesson for today is written in the third chapter of Revelation, beginning at the 15th verse. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. New Mexico is full of people who grew up somewhere else. Perhaps you are one of them. I am guessing that only a minority of us here today were actually born and raised in this state. What do you think? Let's have a show of hands. If you were born and raised in New Mexico, please raise your hand. Oh, there are a few hands, but it's a distinct minority, isn't it? All right. Now, if you lived in Bernalillo County before the 1980s, that seal will be familiar. It graced the sides of county vehicles and was a familiar sight. Eight sheep stand in a green pasture backed by a blue mountain range. Hovering in the sky is the cross of Christ, and floating above it all is a Spanish phrase, which translates as, with this we conquer. Now, we're all familiar with sheep and cross imagery. It's very Christian. The phrase, with this we conquer, references the first Christian emperor Constantine's conversion to Christianity in 312, and the spread of the faith to this land under the Spanish conquest. The design here speaks to the dominance of Christian culture in New Mexico while the seal was in use. You probably won't be surprised to hear that the American Civil Liberties Union stepped up to object to this imagery, forcing Bernalillo County to change their seal in 1986. Here's what it looks like now. Eight slightly fluffier sheep still stand in a pasture with a mountain backdrop, but look what's in the sky. No cross or reference to Christian faith. Instead, there's a Zia symbol, 
Now, to the Zia Indians of New Mexico, this is a sacred symbol of the sun, and of course, this Zia symbol's on our flag as well. Isn't it interesting that a sacred Indian symbol is okay even when a Christian one is not? I'm reminded of a dedication ceremony I attended for the opening of a new building at the University of New Mexico a few years back. Uh, Native American was invited to do the invocation, offering up a prayer in his own language, which was translated for the rest of us. Everyone listened thoughtfully. No one objected. And I wondered, what would have happened if a Christian had offered a prayer in the name of Jesus. What do you think? Most of us would associate this kind of societal change of attitude with a decline in Christianity in America. That's sort of a gut reaction, an opinion. Let's look at the statistics. Recent surveys by Pew Research Center and Gallup provide a snapshot, and here's the thing. I want you to hear first. Christianity in America is not dying. No one who looks intelligently at the research would say that. Here are some facts about where American Christianity is today. About 20% of Americans, like most of you here today, are what we'd call practicing Christians. They faithfully attend Christian worship services and are members of a congregation. They serve in those church families and donate to the life and work of their congregations. We call these the dedicated and committed Christians. You might be surprised to know that this percentage, 20%, hasn't really changed over time. The number of self-identifying Christians who are really practicing has traditionally been right around this number. Whether you look at the statistics for 1974 or 1947, this number has historically hovered around the 20% mark. Now at the other end of the spectrum, another 20% of Americans are religions other than Christianity or no religion at all. So atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, they're all part of that 20%. And then there's the big chunk in the middle, around 60%. These are the people who have traditionally self-identified as Christians. They call themselves Christians when asked about their religion. Perhaps they have religious roots in their family, and through this heritage, they're tied to Christianity. For example, Irish Catholics. They may go to church on Christmas or Easter or once in a while with grandma, but they don't actually practice their faith. Others might feel they have a home church attending occasionally, They don't practice any sort of real, vibrant faith with Jesus at the center of their lives. They're attendees, yet they still call themselves Christians. These are the largest group of Americans, this mushy middle. 
polling and research designates the mushy middle as Christians because of their responses to surveys. They self-identify as Christians. And as a result, America is routinely described as being about 80% Christians, the 20% plus the 60%. On those occasions, when those in the mushy middle attend a church, they're often looking for something that fills them up. They go where they can be a passive spectator, watching the show rather than participating. They are customers of liturgy or music or preaching style. We call them consumer Christians. They consume what the church produces. It's all about what they get out of it. It's not really about worshiping the Almighty. And it's certainly not about serving him. Now, here's the really sad thing about the mushy middle, the nominal yet self-identifying Christians. Not only are they missing out on a relationship with their Lord and Savior, they are moving farther and farther away from true Christianity. Here's what I want you to know. If we explore what they believe, so often it's drifting farther and farther away from true Christian faith. Not only do they not dedicate their lives to Jesus, worshiping and serving him, more and more, they're not believing what Christianity teaches. So often they're really part of the popular culture that teaches all paths are equal and all religions are about honoring the same God. As time goes on, the mushy middle is tempted to drift over into that group that checks the box none when asked about their religion. To them, none doesn't necessarily mean atheist. It might just mean none of the above. They're not wanting to choose among the many religious traditions out there. Instead, they prefer to pick what they like from the many options, creating their own personal belief system. And that makes perfect sense to them because they think all religions are really about honoring the same God. Now, the idea that the many gods are all the one true God is a misconception. And this confusion over many gods and the one God is nothing new. The Apostle Paul lived in a society that had many gods. The Roman Empire had its own official deities in Paul's age. There was Jupiter, king of the gods, his skirt-chasing proclivities hampered by his harpy of a wife, Juno. And then there was Venus, of course, the goddess of erotic love, so often pictured in art with her skimpy garments slipping off. Dozens of other divine beings were worshipped, including some adopted from the far reaches of the empire. Now, as Paul preaches to the worshipers of this divine multitude, does he say that all the gods they praise are the same as our Lord? Of course not. If all paths are equal, why would Paul set out on his missionary journeys at all? Why would he endure beating, shipwreck, 
and eventually death to share the gospel if other beliefs are just as good? And why would we send missionaries into Eastern Europe and other parts of the world to share the Bible and the good news of Jesus then? If all paths are equal, missionary work makes no sense. Christian faith is like no other. To reject any of it is to assault the deity of Jesus Christ. And anyone who rejects Jesus as God incarnate is not a Christian. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is very clear. There's only one way, one narrow path to God the Father. Anyone who does not believe the words of Christ is not a Christian. We meet nominal Christians, those in the mushy middle, every day, in the office, in the grocery store, in the neighborhood. They need our encouragement to come and learn, to grow and serve. The loud voice of popular culture is eroding even the nominal Christianity they know. We need to draw them near. Share your faith. If someone you know resists an invitation to come to worship services with you, invite them then to one of our special events or classes and introduce them to other believers as well. Let me tell you a story, a story about a committed Christian helping someone who's just beginning to seek a vibrant faith and walk with Jesus. Do you know this simple prayer? I've shared it in a sermon before. It's called the Jesus Prayer, and in these few words is the heart of Christian faith. It's been said across the centuries by the faithful who have walked before us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The story's told of a new seeker wanting to learn from a dedicated Christian. He goes to a faithful old man and asks, how can I turn my life to Jesus? The old Christian tells him, say the Jesus prayer tomorrow, all day. When possible, say it with your lips, but always with your heart throughout the day as you drive your car, as you make meals. Keep its truth near you. As you go to sleep, have these words on your lips. So the young man does that throughout the day and into the night. He prays eagerly to Jesus, using these words, making them the center of all things, whatever he's doing. The following day, he returns to the committed old man whose faith has long guided his days. The young seeker proudly says, yesterday, all day, I did as you said. Whatever I was doing, the Jesus prayer was with me. I spoke it aloud and silently with all my heart. What should I do next? The old man replied, Do that for the rest of your life. Say these words and believe them 
Let them guide you. Keep them at the center of your being. Commitment to Jesus is not about showing up at church for an hour on Sunday. Commitment to Jesus is living in him every day for the rest of your life. As we face the future in service and in prayer, we need everyone engaged here at Faith Lutheran. I invite you to reach out to others, volunteer to serve in new ways, grow and learn, be engaged in the work we do here. And through that new work and engagement, may you be blessed by Jesus as you bless others, sharing his truth and serving him. Amen. You may remain seated as we sing together our next hymn. It's number 492.